Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Your coordination and bounds. to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Magnesium is naturally found in foods like... This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. I'm Taylor Camille, senior producer at Well and Good, and in today's episode, we're looking to the stars, talking all things astrology. Gone are the days where the conversation started with what's your name or what's your sign. We now rely on the where and the what exact time you were born to learn our moon and rising signs and know where all the planets were when we were born, just to get a stronger sense of what's in store for our day-to-day and where the stars align with anyone we're forming any relationship with, be it friendship, romantic, or even business. A month can hardly pass without someone mentioning Mercury or any other planet is in Gatorade, retrograde, whatever it's called, and I'm constantly getting DMs from friends with astrologically accurate memes. Astrology isn't science, but as it's been digitized with apps like CoStar, interest in the Zodiac has grown. And as we've spent more time in isolation due to the pandemic, astrology is providing a huge sense of comfort for many as we set our sights on a brighter future. But how is it actually helpful to navigating our lives? Why do so many of us believe it? And how do we even define it? Astrology is a really fun tool and opportunity for a roadmap and a lens into what's happening. That's Elizabeth Cott. She's a Taurus. Her moon is in Taurus, and she is a Scorpio rising. I I feel that for people who don't use astrology, they're basically wasting their life. <laughs> I honestly feel like that. I feel like wow. if you don't know what your soul's imprint is, then you're you're not using all of the information that's accessible to you and you're probably missing a lot of the corners of your power or not knowing how to alchemize your struggle or not understanding where you meet relationship or what your purpose would be in work or like all these things, like everything that's about you is in your astrology. And that's Stephanie Simbari, a Scorpio with a moon in Cancer and a Taurus rising. She and Elizabeth are basically inverses of each other in an astrological sense. And they co-host a podcast called That's a Retrograde because they're so passionate about astrology. It was the circumstance of a bunch of different things that came together that made the podcast possible. And so I'm just grateful that we 
kind of were listening and had good timing. Yeah, I always think that um, it's an incredible example of honoring your ideas. Yeah. Part of me wants to say the stars were aligned <laughs> to make it Well, they were. were. <laughs> I mean, it's true. And so they got started, realizing they knew not much about astrology. Always been checking my horoscope since like Seventeen Magazine, L Magazine, all of that. You know, my interests are like in a different space. I'm like, what are the houses? You're like, what are the housewives? You know, like we just all spend our time differently and that's fine. <laughs> oh, sorry. I have Mercury and Sagittarius. I can't stop screaming at people. <laughs> While they both embraced astrology on different levels, they were still interested and open to learning and trying something new, bringing on experts to talk on their podcasts and help them along the way. Obviously, you don't jump in a pool if you don't know how to swim all the way, but you might get in the shallow end and walk around and start to learn how to swim. And I feel like that's kind of what we did. When the idea came to fruition over six years ago now, Stephanie and I were just in our 20s, musing on our porch, really looking for answers for how to feel good and just like really didn't see anyone having the conversation in the way that we wanted to. And that was just like having some fun with it, but also educating and marrying the two. And so we set out to do that. And I think when we started, we were very much explorers and just seeking information. And now what's really cool is I feel like we've both really found our pocket within the knowledge that we've gained all these years. And I feel like we've really expanded ourselves through doing the show in such a beautiful way. So your podcast is called That's a Retrograde. What is retrograde for people who don't know? And why can we or do we blame everything on it? (laughs) Because we have an accountability problem in our culture in general. (laughs) Retrogrades happen to every planet and they are an optical illusion that the planet is moving backwards in space. And although this sounds scientific, Actual scientists point out that any retrograde motion is just as Stephanie stated, purely an optical illusion. And they would be hard to convince that this illusion could have any influence on events here on Earth. And yet our fixation prevails. But it's actually just a, I believe, uh, slowing down, but it's not actually moving backwards. So it changes the gravitational pull of the planet. And the reason why Mercury is the most popular one is because it happens three times a year Mm -hmm. and it's the closest planet to us. So it affects us the The most most. yeah, Uh, or, or comes closest in its retrograde. But then also Venus retrograde and Mars retrograde, those two are really intense too. We are into them because retrogrades bring the review. They bring up all the rewords, you know, But I think we shouldn't fear the retrogrades. You know, we should never fear the lessons. We should never fear the opportunity to go deeper or examine something on a level we haven't seen it before. Nothing is ever going to come up into your awareness that you're not meant to see or feel. And it's really not a matter of what comes up. It's a matter of how you deal with it. A person that helps people deal with all that life throws at us is Dr. Caroline Hextel, a psychotherapist based in North Carolina. She recently was talking about the upward trend of our obsession with astrology. So I wondered what compels so many of us to hold on to what's in the stars while others remain more skeptical. It often resonates with us because it taps into stories that we tell ourselves and stories that may drive some intentions that we want to set in our lives. 
and sort of provide some purpose in what we may be doing currently and how that can guide what we want to do in the future. But it also provides some sense of solace in the moment that we're experiencing in the present. And so while it may speak to something that is going to happen or we suspect may happen in the future, it feels good to read about it right now. Yeah, definitely. What do you say to skeptics who will say horoscopes aren't real or this doesn't have anything to do with how my life actually will go? Yeah, I think, you know, a healthy dose of skepticism is is fine. But I think then that's also interesting to kind of unpack in terms of well, what are you skeptical of? (laughs) You know, is there any belief system? You know, maybe it's on the flip side, it could be, well, no, I only believe in something that I actually test myself. Okay, then how do we see, well, is that contributing to well-being or is that, you know, serving as a detriment to well-being? So it's not to say that you can't be skeptical. It's just, how are you using your skepticism? How are you using you're questioning. How are you getting curious about this? And what makes you not want to become curious about that side of, of the world and of life? And how may that be preventing some of these other things that you're wanting in your life? Here's what Elizabeth and Stephanie have to say to the skeptics. I feel like if you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, you're not into something else. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just think it's a mistake with anything in life. It's a mistake to write off anything that you know nothing about. So it's like saying that you don't like a food that you've never tried. How do you know you don't like it? You've never tried it. To make a judgment call and draw a conclusion about something that you have no experience with is is ridiculous in, in, with any category. You know, it seems a little out there, but I think this always falls into something I see on the show and that's magic. Why not? Yeah. Like, why not? Like, Sure. Because really, we're just on this planet. We're just like poking around in the dark. We're like, okay, we're kind of listening to our intuition. We're doing what we think is right. But like, I mean, we don't know (laughs) what's going on at all. And so if there's something that can tell you when an energy is going to be more strong or weak or whatever, it's like we should all have that and, and use that together and respect that. The goal of astrology is to have like a unified consciousness and not something that's divided and something that's unclear. It's trying to get us to see the picture more clearly. Stephanie and I literally do business coaching through the lens of our charts. And the composite chart has really helped us to understand each other and just have a clearer picture of what we're both working with so that we can both come to the table and like fully show up and understand where each other is coming from. Mm -hmm. I think the CEO of every company should have an astrologer. I think anyone making any big decisions for large groups of people or big amounts of money or even small, whatever, there should be a level of understanding that we're not operating in a vacuum and that there are like energies at play that can help us or hurt us. Side note, Well and Good does not use astrology to make business decisions. I would say a a very worthy self-investment would be having your chart read at least once. To have someone explain your specific transits, it informs so much and it can really help move through stuckness or how to, you know, plot a plan or whatever, whatever you're working on. It's really a huge asset. 
Yeah, I th- I haven't had that done, so I Ooh, <laughs> I have to do it. Oh I'm my god! Gonna, I know we're shaming him. Fi- <laughs> we need to find you somebody. Yeah. yeah, ASAP. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And so we did find somebody to read my chart, and that somebody was Kira Taborn. I sent along my birthplace, time and date, and anxiously awaited our session. I'm Kira. I am an astrologer, um, a podcaster, author, educator, person who does a lot of things. What are your three signs? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I like to call this um, the SMR, sun, moon, rising signs. Yes. Um, so <laughs> my SMR is I'm a Scorpio sun, an Aries moon, and a Pisces rising. And how do you think our birth charts help us to get to know ourselves? Yeah, I think m- most of us get into astrology through the lens of like self-acceptance. Like it mm-hmm. helps, it really helps with that a lot because for me at least, it's like when I saw my birth chart for the first time, it was like, oh, shit, like, the universe, like, this is this is mine. This is my chart, my special, like, blueprint that's just mine. And it felt very much like I was being seen and witnessed by the universe, but also, like, kind of given permission to, like, be myself. You know, I'm a Scorpio, and I think a lot of Scorpios, and just, like, people in general, but I feel like especially (laughs) for some reason, especially like Scorpios and water signs, it's like, oh, wow. Like there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just a water sign or I'm just a Scorpio, you know, like (laughs) it's okay that I'm emo all the time. Like, you know, not that I'm actually emo all the time, but you know, things like that. It's like, oh yeah, no wonder I'm like so sensitive and so emotional. It's like, I'm a Scorpio sun, Pisces rising. It's something wrong with me. It's just who I am. And so I think it really helps. Yeah. It helps people with that a lot. Yeah. That's very real. Okay. So I know, I think I know my SMR. I'm a Libra sun. I think I have a Sag moon and a, Mm -hmm. and I'm a Taurus rising. Yeah. And that's about all I really know. I've never had a reading before. I don't know how this goes. So I'm just here to embrace and learn and see what's happening on in my chart. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to like for me, when I'm when I'm giving readings, I usually I have a take an intake form that will ask like, what do you want to focus on? What are some topics that you're interested in exploring? Um 
is there anything in particular that you're interested in? Like, even if it's just uh, like looking at the year ahead or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I, also, obviously, I'm a Libra, so I'm indecisive as hell. So, so <laughs> <laughs> I really do lean into that trope. Um, so, yeah, I will just, in Libra fashion, I would say I will let you choose. But I do think that like a, a year ahead overview would be good. I think that's cool. a good, yeah, a good path cool. to take. <laughs> cool, yeah, because I, I really like looking at, um, like, forecasting. So you just turned 28, correct, right? hmm yeah. Okay. Um, how, how was 2020 for you? Like, most of it, you were 27, right? Any sort of big changes happen? Um, I would say like, especially like around the summertime, around June, July, August. This question stumped me. How was 2020 for me? 2020 was a seemingly unending avalanche of discomfort and uncertainty, as I'm sure it was for many of us. I personally had just laid my dad and my maternal grandmother to rest at the top of the year in January. And in an attempt to distract myself from that grief and that loss, I booked an international vacation in March. Then that vacation was cut short. And I was plopped back at my mother's house under a lockdown of unknown proportions. Thinking, okay, this will be two weeks. Two weeks turned into months and... By the following month in April, I'd been laid off by my previous employer. By the time I got back to my apartment in New York, it was summer. I was trying to find my stride, working on some personal projects, fueled by occasional client work, severance, and unemployment when the well went dry. And prior to my session with Kira, I told her the last thing I want to talk about is work. And then this happened. I mean, I didn't know when you had started this job, but I could see that was a theme for last year. It was like work and figuring out like how to find work that felt good for you. And that was reflective of who you are. And I feel like Mm -hmm. what you produce tends to like, you you kind of want it to have a purpose (laughs) to have like a use, you know, like be, yeah, be of service in some way. You can Um, see that in my chart. That's what, that's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So now that you're 28, part of your chart becomes activated called the fifth house. And the houses, they represent like different areas of life. In case you're not super hip when it comes to astrology, we've linked an article that we have on site in the show notes all about the houses, what they mean, what power they wield, and more. But just quickly, As every zodiac chart is divided into 12 signs, it's also divided into 12 houses that overlap those signs. Each house represents a different aspect of life, from travel and romance to career, and every planet in your chart is located in both a sign and a house. These two placements illustrate how a planet's influence can appear in your life, and as we age, we go through many different stages. When you were 27, your fourth house was activated. And the fourth house is all about home and family and your roots. I I always call 27 like a homecoming year because it's Mm. there's this idea of like returning home. And a lot of people literally do move back home with their families when they're 27. Wow. Like 
it happens a lot. I did it. Like I know a lot of friends who did it. I have a lot of clients who did, um, or they'll move back to like where they're from, like their hometown or whatever. Um, but yeah, in general, there just seems to always be a lot of themes around home where you're rooted. So the the sun was the planet that was activated for you when you were 27. Um, your sun is in Libra and it's in the sixth house, which is a place having to do with work. The sort of like daily toils, we would find like any sort of jobs, gig work, um, even like coworkers, your office spaces, all that stuff is sixth house stuff. It's not mm-hmm. the same as like career type of work um, where that's more of like, you know, your career vocation. That's a little bit, that's in the 10th house. But sixth house is just like the actual work that you're doing. Oftentimes it's like the physical stuff that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so with your son in the sixth house, you're already someone that's sort of like oriented towards working. <laughs> and that that's- doesn't mean like you're born to work or anything. Cause I don't think that's true, but like, kind like, there's kind of that, like, you're here to be of service in some way. You're here to be, like, doing the thing. Um, you probably feel kind of, like, useless if you're not. Isn't that crazy that when you you emailed me asking, like, what I want to focus on, and I said anything but work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I literally said anything you're but so work. You're so right. You're so right. Well, we don't have to talk about your work. We don't have to talk about your work, but just to say that. 27 was a year where work was definitely a focus. Um, And the same thing is for 28, (laughs) I have to say. (laughs) But it's a little different. It's a little different. So I know it happens to be that work is like, you know, what's coming up as a main focus for you right now. So work is going fine. It's not that I didn't want to talk about it because it's bad. It's just the one thing I feel like I've been doing this entire pandemic. It's eaten up so much of my time that I was just hoping that the future would hold something else for my mind to feast on. But it's not all just work. So something cool about being 28 is, yeah, your fifth house becomes activated. And the fifth house is this part of the chart that is really sweet. It's it's really about, like, the finer things and, like, the, sweet, the sweetness of life. And so mm-hmm. what this looks like is um, the fifth house is a place of pleasure. So this is where we find things that make us feel good, whether that be entertainment or, you know, sex, like sex is pleasurable. Things like, you know, just having fun, like anything that makes you feel good. I like to say it's the things that turn you on. It's the Mm. things that like kind of make you feel like I love life. I'm experiencing joy. This is very pleasurable. Okay, I'll spare you the nitty-gritty, but something I found of universal interest for those of us grouped in this 28-age range is the Saturn return. Kira describes it as this. That's when Saturn returns to the same point in the sky as it was in when you were born. Mm. And that usually takes about 29-ish years to do. Um, Saturn has about like a 29-and-a-half-year orbit. Saturn is a planet that has to do with structure. And you can kind of think of it as, you know, it's the farthest planet that we can see with with our eyes, you know, without like telescopes or whatever. So it's the farthest planet from the sun. And therefore, it sort of represents this boundary of like what we know to be real and true, like tangible. Mm-hmm. It represents a boundary because we can't see anything past that, basically, except like the stars. Um mm-hmm. 
And you can also think of the fact that Saturn is literally like this gas giant that's like bound by rings. It's just like wraps wraps in rings, um, these rocky hard rings. It represents boundaries. It represents structure as well. It's like everything that's like hard and real and like, you know, separates one thing from another. Um, and, and so... Saturn representing like the structure of our lives, um, the foundations of our lives. And take it takes about 30 years, you know, to fully establish your like foundation of yeah. like and basically become like a real adult human person. Like, yeah, we're adults before then, sure, but like are we really, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the Saturn return is really what signals like true entrance into maturity into adulthood the true end of adolescence and um yeah it's basically just this time period it lasts about two between two and three years where we're kind of forced to grow up and yeah like just accept the responsibilities that you're handed um and this time period can be really difficult it can be really difficult for some people. I think it's difficult for everyone, to be honest. Um, it's just about how willing is one to take on the heaps of responsibility that are handed to you during your Saturn return or, you know, the the duties. Like, it's always work. With Saturn, it's always work. So it's like, and that doesn't mean like work, work, like, you know, our jobs, yeah, but it's always right. going to be some sort of work that we have to do. Yeah. For you, it's in your 10th house of career. So yeah, it does have a lot to do with <laughs> actual work, work. I really feel like I'm being punked right now. This is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> it's like we can talk about anything else but work, but you know, uh, your chart just screams work. I can't get away from it. <laughs> that is alarming. So if you're in your Saturn return, or maybe you've already been through it, I wonder if you can reflect on the lessons you've learned, boundaries built, and structure that maybe you felt your life lended itself to during this time. And if you haven't hit it yet, brace yourselves. Another thing Kira wants us all to look out for is something kind of exciting on the horizon. I think July is going to be a really spicy, sexy month. So partners are represented by Mars. You are represented by Venus. So when Venus and Mars come together in the sky, that mm -hmm. represents like you coming together with another person. There's like a connection that happens there. So mm -hmm. that happens again in July of this year. I keep telling people, if you want to take a vacation, July is the month to do it. <laughs> I'm going to be on a beach with somebody's son. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, uh, like, how do I get to Mexico City in July? So needless to say, it was an eye-opening session. I have a lot to reflect on, digest, and interpret. And Kira even gave me some homework, mainly to pay attention to the people I surround myself with and to fantasize about the life that I want, which I think is homework we can all be more diligent about doing. It's human nature to want to analyze ourselves, and what we get from astrology feels like a clean window to look through. There's some sort of safety we can get from our stars with no judgment or shame that we can sometimes feel from our lived experiences. Dr. Hexel had this piece to offer as a post-birth chart reading next step. It would be helpful to speak with a psychotherapist to sort of unpack that on an individual level about mm -hmm. well, why is this aspect of this read or, or this written summary important to you? What does it mean to you and how do you want to use it? 
to guide maybe what's next in your life that you want to focus on. And then the, the therapist can provide tools for really making that happen so that it doesn't just live in a horoscope or doesn't just live in a reading, but it really becomes activated in that individual's life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I have another task ahead of me. <laughs> Though, as I stared at my seemingly growing to-do list, Kira also wanted to remind us to trust our instincts. We know things, I think, intuitively a lot, but we don't trust ourselves <laughs> to like follow those intuitive hunches. And so astrology is so great because it it helps kind of like validate and confirm a lot of those things. And and so I try to give that to my clients and just sort of be like, this is what the planets are saying, you know, go for it, go apply for grad school. It's literally like the patterns here, <laughs> you know, I'm writing this book, Timing is Everything, because it comes down to that a lot of the times, like timing is so important. And when we honor that and we honor like time as like this mechanism and construct that, yeah, it might not be real. It might just be a construct, but like it's, it's a construct that like you can work with and kind of get to a level of like peace with it. And that's when you really start to like flow. I hope that post reading, I'll start leaning more into my intuitions, paying attention to the timing of things and allowing my chart to more inform my decisions rather than scare me or deter me from leaning into my purpose, which is telling good stories and informing others. Elizabeth has this to add. Any astrologer will tell you, like, none of this stuff is, like, written in stone. It's to help inform decisions and and to, like, add some color to a situation. So, you know, as human beings and as individuals, it's up to us. Like, I found it really helpful as I was transitioning careers Mm -hmm. and understanding that actually like what I'm doing now, it was so reflected in my chart. And that Mm -hmm. was super interesting. And when we were doing the show way back when, when it was truly just because we were really passionate about it, the idea of it being a career was such a dream. Right. And to see in my chart, like evidence, no, like you're a communicator and this is your purpose was so helpful and such a beautiful nudge to keep going. And those are the moments where I really connect with astrology and I really find great solace in it. I definitely found some solace too. Getting your chart read and learning about astrology does seem daunting, but it's also reaffirming. I was definitely apprehensive about the whole experience and especially recording the encounter, but it helps me feel like I'm on the right path And for the skeptics, I hope you too will seek out readings. And for those who, like me, just had never had a reading before, give Kira or your neighborhood astrologist a shout. It's worth it. I'm now more inspired to make a plan to attempt to stay on course, knowing the stars will always be there to help nudge me along the way. On today's show, you heard from Elizabeth Cott, Stephanie Simbari, Dr. Caroline Hextel, and Kira Taborn. And you can find their handles and all other information in the show notes. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Kate Spees, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, share, and feel free to send us a note at podcast at wellandgood.com. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico. 
Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. And very special thanks to Jess Friedman, Ali Short, Jen Snyder, and Cassie Wolf.